listening to The Martial Brain, the podcast that explores the intersection between the martial arts, science, critical thinking, skepticism, and that wacky organ that floats inside our skulls in a pool of cerebral spinal fluid, making life unpredictably inspiring, infuriating, and sometimes just batshit crazy. I'm Jeff Westfall for The Martial Brain. The Forgotten War The Philippines The USA War Colonialism And the Martial Arts Part 8 I hope you're enjoying my series about an important part of the history of the relationship between the Philippines and the United States. It occurred to me while I was continuing my research and writing on this series that I probably haven't done a very good job of telling you just why this story is so important to me. So I'm going to take a break from the story for today's episode and lay out for you my relationship with the Filipino martial arts and the Filipino culture. As most of you know, I am a practicing martial arts instructor. I'm 62 years old and I still work out pretty much every day. If at any waking moment I'm not practicing or teaching, then there's a high statistical probability that I am thinking about the martial arts. After 49 years of study, the universe of information from which I draw includes traditional martial arts from a number of different cultures, martial arts programs and techniques developed by individuals, and some ideas I came up with on my own. Even a broken instructor is right every few decades. So much of the time, learning about a martial art meant to me, in addition to learning all kinds of useful and very cool skills, also learning about the world, the culture that this art came from. I started training in 1971. I had already been a Bruce Lee fanboy for four years at that point. You see, he played Cato in The Green Hornet, a superhero TV series from 1966 and 1967. Perfectly timed in the arc of history to catch me at about nine years old. Perfect fanboy material. Then his movies hit the scene in 1972, and the effect on both me and the martial arts world in general was an exponential tsunami compared to the considerable splash that Cato had made. I was already involved in traditional karate, Kyokushin, but now I really wanted to learn Jeet Kune Do. I already knew that Bruce Lee drew from Wing Chun Kung Fu, boxing, fencing, and a number of other systems that I wasn't that sure about. But at that point in my life, while I was a geography nerd who could certainly tell you where the Philippines was and what the capital was, I did not know that Filipino people practiced incredibly sophisticated systems of martial arts. Then came Bruce Lee's magnum opus, Enter the Dragon. I remember before seeing the film, hearing some advance intelligence from my friends on what was in it, specifically that Bruce Lee wields eskrima sticks in a particular fight scene. I remember acting impressed, but secretly thinking, what the hell are eskrima sticks? At the time, I did not know to pronounce it eskrima, so we said eskrima for years. Now, what passed for an information superhighway in those days 
was magazines, and that included martial arts information. If you wanted to stay hip to what was going on right now in the martial arts world, you nearly always couldn't. The best you could usually hope to do was to get hip to what had been going on a month ago in the latest issues of Black Belt, Inside Kung Fu, Karate Illustrated, or any of a number of other also-rans. And it was to the magazines that I turned when I heard the soul-crippling news that Bruce Lee was dead at 32 years old. Here's how I heard. I had just wrapped up an enjoyable afternoon of training and sparring with my buddies. I was in that kind of mood that you can only be in after a great workout. I rode home, locked my bike, and climbed the stairs to the door of the mobile home in which my family lived. My mother was ironing in the living room as I walked through, and without looking up or giving any preparatory talk, she said, That karate guy you really like died. In stunned shock, I quizzed her. You don't, you don't mean Bruce Lee. Yeah, him. Needless to say, my 15-year-old fanboy self was crushed. One of the horrible realizations that occurred to me once I accepted the reality of my idol's death was that I would never be able to take lessons from him. But as time went on, I saw frequent articles in the magazines in which Bruce Lee's top student and my future teacher, Dan Inosanto, was regularly featured demonstrating fascinating aspects of the Filipino martial arts, providing evidence that they were sophisticated, rich, and elegantly designed, every bit as effective and cool as the more commercially successful arts like the various forms of karate and gong fu. That was very interesting. He also regularly presented in these magazines techniques, concepts, and drills designed by Bruce Lee and he himself in the pursuit of the martial philosophy called Jeet Kune Do. That was maximally interesting. This process continued through the next several years of my martial arts career, right on through beginning to teach in 1976. I had been teaching for several years when I took my first real lesson in the Filipino martial arts. It came at the hands of an American gentleman of Filipino extraction named Phil. I was not able to get a hold of Phil to ask his permission, so I'm not going to use his last name. He was a newly minted postal policeman, a federal official only about two years older than me. He practiced what he called eskrima without telling me anything about the culture behind it because he didn't know. All I could get was that his uncle had taught him. He was quick to point out that his uncle was no master, but had been in more than his share of fights, and knew enough to show him some drills and techniques. What was obvious was that he was pretty good for a guy who claimed to only have six months of training, and I was more than happy to spend time and energy learning what he had to show me. In return, I gave him lessons in karate, Gong Fu, and in the small but not insignificant boxing knowledge that I had accumulated up to that point. We trained together for about eight months, and I found the training enjoyable and useful. But a year later, word in the martial arts magazine Grapevine was that Dan Inosanto was going to publish a book on the Filipino martial arts. A book? In the pre-internet days, that was the holy grail of martial arts information. 
a book. I paid for my copy six months in advance at the local bookstore. I agonized through the six months until finally the day came, and I got the book. It did not disappoint. Mr. Inosanto presented fascinating history and riveting biographies of Filipino masters. But much more importantly, he presented details about martial concepts and techniques that revolutionized the way I looked at fighting, be it weaponry or empty hand. I trained hard on the basics presented in that book while continuing to teach. Then in 1984, I managed to scrape up the necessary funds to attend a 40-hour training camp with Mr. Inosanto himself. I was still more into Bruce Lee's ideas than I was into the Filipino martial arts, but that's part of the genius of the way Mr. Inosanto teaches. He draws you in with Bruce Lee and then opens your eyes to a much larger martial arts world. Twenty of the forty hours of training covered Junfan Gung Fu and Jeet Kune Do concepts, and it was awesome, all that I could have hoped it would be. But I've got to admit that the twenty hours of training in the Filipino martial arts had at least an equal impact, if not greater, on my martial arts psyche. None of my reading could have prepared me for the impact of being presented in person with hugely sophisticated techniques, drills, and concepts that crossed the borders of many different categories of weaponry and empty hands. Nearly every moment was a facepalm moment. You know, when someone presents something to you and your first reaction is, That's brilliant! Much of my training time has been wasted up to this point and will be much more productive in the future now that I have seen this. Well, I experienced facepalm moment after facepalm moment every day of the camp. I was all in with the Filipino martial arts and have been ever since. In the 36 years since, I have trained hard in the La Costa Inosanto system of Filipino martial arts, mostly under Mr. Inosanto, but also spending at least a little time training with luminaries like Edgar Sulite, Leo Gahe, Ted Lukai Lukai, Larry Hartzell, Paul Vunak, Steve Tarani, Gerson Tortal, Mark Denny, Gat Puno Abet Bayet, and Richard Bustillo. I steadily worked my way through the ranks of the Inosanto International Martial Arts Instructors Association, earning ranks in three different disciplines the Filipino martial arts, Junfan Gong Fu, and the Majapahit martial arts. I earned my apprentice instructorship in 1994, associate instructor rank in 1998, and 17 years ago, in 2003, Guru Inosanto saw fit to promote me to full instructor. Now, I don't state this to toot my own horn as much as to make a fascinating point about being a full instructor in the Inosanto organization. First, let me say that I am proud of the fact that I earned this rank. I had to learn a lot about many different Filipino systems and learn it up to a high, even exacting standard. With those high standards in mind, listen to part of what it says on my Filipino martial arts full instructor certificate from the association. Quote, it is my wish that Jeff will continue to grow in knowledge and become creative in his own right. 
Jeff has my permission to add to or modify what he has been taught to benefit his needs and the needs of his students. Unquote. Did you get that? I'm not sure how many of you realize this, but it's extremely rare for an instructor who knows as much as Mr. Inosanto does, and whose standards are so high, to then pat you on the head and say, Looks like you got it. Remember those exacting standards we demanded of you? It's now your job to use those as a launching pad and move on to create standards of your own. From here on out, you not only have my permission, I'm downright requesting that you alter and improve this martial art. Yeah, not many instructors, much less those of international renown like Mr. Inosanto, would allow you to monkey with their system. So, that's what I'm doing these days. Monkeying, I mean. Among other projects. I don't know if I'm capable of improving on the material that Mr. Inosanto taught me. But that's not going to stop me from trying. So when I say that I have developed a powerful attachment to the Filipino martial arts, and a deep and abiding love and respect for the Filipino people and culture, you might now understand just a bit more why I feel that way. Part of the joy of training under Mr. Inosanto is that he liberally mixes fascinating history lessons into his instruction. Being a total history geek, I liked this just as much as I liked the rest of it. I was always astonished at how little I knew of the history of a country that had belonged to the United States for close to 50 years. I learned that the Spanish exerted dominance over most of the Philippines for almost four centuries. They exploited the natural resources and people for that entire time, giving very little back. With the exception of those Filipinos who fought for the Spanish as Marines, sometimes against the Muslims and sometimes against others, they were forbidden to own weapons, or to practice, or to teach the martial arts. In spite of that, behold what they wrought. The depth and breadth, the sheer comprehensiveness of Filipino martial technology stands as a shining example, a tribute to defiance in the face of tyranny and oppression, a thumb in the eye of those who would impose their will on them. You won't let me own a blade? No problem. I'll use a stick. If it breaks, I'll use my hands and feet and teeth. When I learned and considered this history, I felt humbled before such sheer human courage and brilliance. The thought that a people capable of creating this and myriad other cultural treasures should need to be uplifted by the Spanish or the American culture is the highest form of insult. And it's these feelings that made me determined to one day tell the story that I'm relating in this miniseries, The Forgotten War. And I'll resume the story next time. Anyway, that's what I think. But I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, and check out old episodes of the Marshall Brain podcast at my website, rpmartialarts.com. I'm Jeff Westfall for the Marshall Brain. 
The Marshall Brain is produced by Raging Squirrel Productions in association with the Rising Phoenix Martial Arts Academy. If you like the podcast and would like to help it grow, go to iTunes or Stitcher and give it an honest rating and review. Contact me with questions about the Marshall Brain or about the Rising Phoenix Academy at my website, rpmartialarts.com.